Full night of games in the NBA. We've got the recaps for you. NBA players are out changing their numbers to continue honoring Kobe Bryant. And we end on a lighter note with teams that have surprised us so far in the NBA season. It's the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. Let's go. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA, the daily podcast covering everything you want to know about the association. On Wednesdays, I'm your co-host Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. And I'm Nick Angstead, at Nick Van Exit on Twitter, and host of the Locked On Mavericks podcast. Nick, thanks for uh, hopping on today to recap a night of, like, not that interesting games, to be honest, huh? Yeah, there was the, the Celtics Heat game that was fun. Like it was fun to watch, and you know, it was a good matchup between some playoff teams. The rest of them, I mean, I just blowouts. Like uh, the Bucks had, I think, a hundred something points at halftime. I mean, it was just, basically, it was a wild night in the association. Yeah, so you all didn't need to watch all of this. It's our job to do it, and that's why we call this section "Too Long Didn't Watch" because yeah, your time was maybe better spent elsewhere. And we start with the New York Knicks taking on the Charlotte Hornets. Finishing with a very appropriate score of 97-92 in favor of Charlotte here. Uh, high score for the Hornets was Terry Rozier. 30 points on the night. He was 4 of 8 from deep. That's like basically all you need to know from this one, I think. Except for uh, the story coming out of New York today is that um, R.J. Barrett has asked people to stop calling him Maple Mamba. So I don't know who I don't know who out there was doing it, but in honor of Kobe, he wants people to stop calling him that. I'm All not right. sure. I'm not sure who was calling him that. I hadn't heard that just yet. I I actually kind of <laughs> like it a little bit, to be honest. Maple. Um, Mamba. Yeah. That's okay. like Maple Jordan, right? That people used to call Andrew Wiggins. I was gonna say, yeah. Uh, maybe they need to stop putting Maple in front of things because that doesn't work out too well. The Wiggins is playing good now. Um, moving Mounty on. Mamba. Bouncy, we'll Mounty, Mounty Mamba. Mounty Mamba. There we go. That'll be the next one. Um, moving on. We've got the Philadelphia 76ers beating the Golden State Warriors 115-104. Return of Joel Embiid in this one. He wore 24 in the game, finished with 24 points on the night. This is kind of a running theme, I think, throughout a lot of the league so far. Yeah, you wonder at what point, like the Trey Young game the other night, how many players are doing this on purpose? Because it's pretty amazing. It's like, you know, it's sort of like the Russell Westbrook 2020 game to, uh, you know, in tribute to Nipsey Hussle. Yep. But um, the 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 24th point for Joel Embiid came on this fadeaway that looked like Kobe. And I I think that was on purpose. And so cool to see him in this return. Sixers get the win over the, you know, one of the worst teams in the NBA. So nothing much else to report from there. No. Raul, Raul Neto had 19 points off the bench if you're. If you're into the uh, 76ers backup point guard, you know matchup right now. That that sort of th- that sort of thing. If you're into uh, that. Uh, moving on, we have my New Orleans Pelicans beating the Cleveland Cavaliers 125-111. Drew Holiday was insane in this one, both offensively and defensively. 28 points on the night, 
eight assists, three steals, four blocks. He basically just embarrassed Kevin Love over and over and over defensively, and they were purposely matching him up on Kevin Love. Kevin Love finished on the night 415 from the field for just 12 points. Zion, quiet game for him, scoring 14 and 9. Cool thing is he played close to 30 minutes in this one and actually closed out the first half. Yeah, good seeing Zion getting some extra play and getting some run in there uh, and extending his minutes because the more Zion we get, the better. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun with that so far. Moving on on a busy night around the association, Toronto Raptors beating the Atlanta Hawks 130-114. Hawks basically just like couldn't make shots in this one, and then when they couldn't make shots, let the Raptors kind of run all around them in this one. 25 fast break points for Toronto, and just didn't try and play defense, not that they do anyway normally. <laughs> Trey Young, 18 points on the night. John Collins, though, big game, 28 points, 12 rebounds for him. I guess Trey Young also chipped in 13 assists here yeah the, uh, one of the big things for the Raptors is I think they they lost Marcus Gasol to another injury in this yep, game hamstring uh, not really sure exactly how long it's gonna keep him out but that's huge for them in the stretch yeah he's been big and he was having a pretty good game in this one 10 points uh on just five shots but was ruled out and we'll wait to see where that one uh leads Boston Celtics beating the Miami Heat 109-101. This one was close after the Celtics jumped out to just a quick 11-0 start, um, led by Jalen Brown, who's great in this one. 25 points on the night on 16 shots. Gordon Hayward, 29 points on just 14 shots. They were the stars for the Celtics as they just kind of had enough of a lead to like keep the Heat at bay. Yeah, and just being able to to close out. Gordon Hayward, 29 points, 9 boards, 2 assists. This was a, a big game for him. Uh, coming Just coming out and just showing that he's part of that big 5 for the Celtics. And uh, yeah, one of the big things that stuck out to me in this game was that all 5 of the Celtics, you know, big players, Jalen Brown, Hayward, Marcus Smart, Kemba Walker, and Tatum. Like, Tatum's probably the worst playmaker out of that group. And that's saying something. Like that's a pretty, That's a pretty awesome 5 right there. And so they continue to win. Yeah, no um, Kendrick Nunn for the Miami Heat. They were led by Gordon Dragic. Doing some crafty veteran things, by the way, in this game. (laughs) 23 points on the night for him. Jimmy Butler, 20, but not enough to get him the victory. Then you have a battle of playoff teams so far right now with the Memphis Grizzlies kind of taking it to the Denver Nuggets for most of this game. They win 104-96. They had a 19-point lead at one point in this one. The Nuggets are really, really banged up, dealing with a ton of injuries. They shot under 38% from the field in this one, whereas the Memphis Grizzlies shot 56%. That's likely kind of your difference maker there for this one. Um, Dylan Brooks, with who's having a surprise good season for him 24 points on the night you also had Jonas Valanciunas with 23 and 12 for the Grizzlies yeah John Morant 14.6 boards seven assists and four steals those numbers don't really jump out at you but he did some things in this game he had a couple really, of moments yeah would really jump out at you uh he did a couple he had a couple of plays that uh, are just amazing. He's fun to watch, and it's awesome that Memphis has a player like that again. Yeah, Jaron Jackson Jr., not the most efficient scoring night. 10 points on 10 shots, but 7 blocks for him. For the Nuggets, Nikola Jokic, 25 points, 13 rebounds, 5 assists, but 7 turnovers on the night. He's going to be an all-star after kind of rounding into form, but he has moments, man, where it's things like that that just really hurt him. By the way, Memphis, 76 points in the paint in this one. 
Oof. And that's that's what hurt that's what hurts him right there. That's what yeah, hurts Jokic and that's what hurts the Nuggets. Yeah, that's a good way to beat that team. Also, just the injuries don't help them whatsoever. The Milwaukee Bucks just take it to the Wizards, one fifty-one to one thirty-one. They had eighty-eight points in the half in this <laughs> game, which is just straight up ridiculous. Uh, also, no Giannis playing in it, yeah. and that's still what they did. Yeah, that's the most ridiculous part, right? That they didn't have Giannis. Uh, Eric Bledsoe, 34 points, 6 boards, 10 assists. Chris Middleton, 51 points, 10 boards, 6 assists. Uh, He's up to now 50, 40, 90 on the season shooting. And uh, he's an all-star, right? Like, this yeah, is, he this is. is another, I mean, it is the Wizards, and they do allow everybody to score all the time on them at any given moment. But uh, I think he's putting in a case right now to be an all-star. Yeah, Bradley Beal trying to make a late push for it, too. 47 points for him on the night. Four of nine from deep, 31 shots total. He was 17 of 18 from the free throw line. Uh, that's going to boost your scoring numbers a little bit. But like you said, they just play no defense whatsoever. And then in the final game of the night, because the Lakers and Clippers <sighs> game was postponed, you want to take this one? The Dallas Mavericks lose 104 to 133. The Phoenix Suns might have played their best game of the season. Devin Booker had 32 points. He had 20 in the third quarter. Just absolutely torched the Mavericks on every single turn that he took. Uh, DeAndre Ayton had 31 points. He w- he only played 29 minutes. He was limited because of foul trouble. And then they basically just didn't have to put him back in the game. Uh, he was killing Christoph Porzingis in the paint. And just every single time he got the ball, Christoph Porzingis didn't have enough to uh, defend him one-on-one. And he was crafty enough to get around him or over him or whatever. And it was bad. It was probably the worst game the Mavericks have played. And I would know I've watched them play every single game. So do you take anything away from this? Or is it just like, cool, don't even watch the tape. Let's just move on. J.J. Barea, 15 points, 7 assists in just 22 minutes. He's the spark that lights the fire of the resistance. <laughs> if, the, if the Mavericks want to respond or bounce back from this game at all, uh, I think they need just a little bit more of him when they're in games like this. Um, we have this thing, a running joke on Lockdown Mavs where we have a beacon. Somebody photoshopped us the, the bat signal with J.J. Barea on it, and uh, we, we tweet it every time they need him. So. He kind of fits the definition of like hero you need but not deserve, right? Like a <laughs> yeah, little he, bit, he was like... on the he's the last player remaining from the title team, and he's still around, and he's in, he's insane. Uh, I think he finished with he was minus four in this game, but that means that on the season he's like plus forty five. Uh, and it's plus minus. So when he That's, comes in, he he barely plays, but when he does, it's it's fun. Impactful minutes out there, I guess. So like we said, not a ton of interesting games on the night, including some weird matchups. That's why we watched them. So you didn't need to in the too long didn't watch. Did mention the final game of the night postponed. Lakers Clippers. We're gonna we're gonna keep it a little bit lighter on Kobe talk today. I'm sure everyone's still reeling with that a little bit. But we're gonna touch on some of the tributes that players are doing out there on the court that might last for a significant period of time. Coming up next here on Locked On NBA. But before we get to that, don't forget subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcast from. Here Monday through Friday, breaking down everything you want to know about the league, the biggest stories, the biggest games, the best players. We cover it all here. So subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. So Lakers Clippers postponed in the wake of the death of Kobe Bryant. 
Uh, probably the right move. And over the past couple of days now, we've seen a number of tributes from guys, whether it's them going out and taking 24-second shot clock viola- violations, 8-second violations. But now it's coming out that a number of players are changing their jersey numbers, kind of informally retiring Kobe Bryant's 8 and 24. Spencer Dinwiddie is doing it. Terrence Ross is doing it. And I think uh, Jalil Okafor for the Pelicans is doing it too. Is this something you like, Nick? Or is this something that, you know, maybe they, it would be better to honor Kobe by wearing those numbers? I like it. Uh, the Mavericks themselves said that the number 24 will never be worn again. Uh, they're retiring it. I don't think they're putting a jersey in the Raptors or anything like that. Um, but they are retiring it, even though, you know, Mark Aguirre wore that number a long time ago. Um, no one's going to wear it. And I think that that's cool as an organization to honor somebody like that. I mean, any way that you can honor a player, I think I'm for it. I don't think that there's a way you can go too far. I guess maybe a statue in front of your, your arena if you're not. Yeah, the Lakers would be, be a little bit weird. odd. It would be weird, but – uh, I, I I like that move from players. I also like uh, the Indiana Pacers, uh, Elise Johnson, a guy that hasn't played a lot this season. He wears the number 24, and he decided that he's not going to change his number uh, because he said he said he had two – I think he had two or three role models in his life, and it was like God, his father, and Kobe. Like that, He put them okay. like all, all in the same category. And so if that – if he means so much to you, then heck yeah, respect you keeping the number. Uh, and I think that this is – a little bit of a slippery slope, us celebrating and, and monitoring this as far as players changing numbers, that we don't want to pressure players into you know, changing numbers. Because if it doesn't mean something to a player, if it means a lot to them personally, then keep it. And I don't think that it's bad that somebody keeps a number. And I don't want to you know, make it seem like it's a bad move for somebody to keep a number like that. No, it's a personal decision, I think. And like whatever they want to do, I'm totally cool with it. If they want to informally retire it like that or switch it. So Spencer Dinwiddie's changing from um, to number 26. Terrence Ross is switching back to 31 after switching to eight this year. Go for it. Like however you want to kind of work through this and handle it and honor him, I think they should. I think it's great if you want to kind of give it up out of respect. I think it's also great if you kind of want to embody all of the values that he had out there on the court. And these guys are kind of going out and doing it. And we've seen tributes in games too. You and I were talking about this before we started recording. Joel Embiid wore 24 in the game. Uh, Larry Nance Jr. for the Cavs, who's normally number 22, wore 24 for the first half before switching back to 22, and he played with Kobe. And you mentioned that Trey Young wore number 8 for a possession, right? Yeah, just the very first possession he went out, and they did the 24-second violation, the 8-second, you know— you know, backdoor violation, which is wild, by the way. I said this on Locked On Mavs, but it's just wild that those two things are the, the violations, like those specific numbers. It just numbers. works out perfectly, right? It works it's... out perfect that it's a way to, to honor, and uh, it's sort of a moment of silence, right, that you can have just that 24 seconds. Um, yeah, Trey Young has done it. Um, the Mavericks all wrote, you know, different things on their shoe. I think Luka Doncic had all the names of the victims in the helicopter crash written I on his that, shoe. I saw that, yeah. Uh, that was pretty cool. Just a lot of really awesome tributes, and it's it's amazing to see the NBA family gather together. I mean, the TNT broadcast with Shaq and Steve Nash and you know, Candace Parker and all of them uh, was amazing. Just to, just to hear those guys talk about Kobe and what he means. And, um, you know, sometimes we, we talk about him like he's a godlike figure, like Elise Johnson even <laughs> mentioned him in the same breath yeah. as God. But uh, he was a flawed human, but he meant so much to so many people. Um I grew up a Lakers fan, and I think Kobe is the closest thing to a religion that 
basketball may ever become. He just he hit that exact mark in history where he became he rose to power, I guess, right as a lot of us um, were you know growing up, and then the internet kind of popped off right right there, right in the sweet spot of his career, I think. Uh, and he became so polarizing, and the fans that that had his back had his back so hard, like harder than anybody oh, yes. else maybe before. Um, there's a there's something about Michael Jordan that you he was so big that you didn't have to have his back the way that people had Kobe's back because it was just a given, right? That Michael Jordan was just doing things that were undeniable. But Kobe, some people would try to deny it, and then other people would come to his defense. And uh, it's just amazing to see the impact that he's had. And I can't wait to see what the NBA does and how they honor. You know, we talk about players making their individual things, but what the NBA does, you know, people have talked about the changing of the logo, you know, something like that. But who knows? And I'm excited to see what they do. Yeah. And certainly I'm sure we'll see a lot when it comes to the all-star game. A couple other notes on this was Toronto, where he scored his 81 point game. When Atlanta, I think, hit 81 points, the number lit up in purple on the scoreboard, which is pretty cool to see. Um, You saw a number of guys wearing Kobe's, even um, uh, coaches wearing Kobe's. Malone over in Denver was doing it as well. Rick Carlisle did that as well. Oh, did he? uh, Very cool. Dirk showed up to the game, which he watched the worst Mavericks game of the year. But uh, he showed up to the game, and he was wearing Kobe's on the sidelines as well. Oh, this reminds me of a note I had written down that I didn't get to mention in the too long didn't watch. By the way, Vince Carter, when he appeared in the game against uh, Toronto in this one, now ties Dirk for third all pl- all time in games played, which is, I guess, a cool little footnote on the night. So thank you for reminding me of that. How um, dare he? How dare yeah. he? How dare he tie Dirk? Thanks, thanks, Vince. <laughs> um, so yeah. So no, you mentioned a good point. The last thing I'll say on this is I talked to another sports reporter who at one point told me he's like, I just don't get the fascination with Kobe. You can kind of pick his game to death if you really wanted to. And then he goes, every player I've ever spoken to basically reveres this guy. Every guy in the league at this point idolizes him as like a top one or two, uh, you know, impactful player of all time. And he's like, that's when I started to come around on Kobe, hearing the way actual players speak about him. So sad week for the NBA, but a lot of very cool tributes to see out there on the court that I'm sure are going to continue for the next um, months and weeks to come and probably the rest of the season and maybe for beyond that. But we're going to end the podcast on a little bit of a lighter note. Our favorite surprise teams from this year coming up here in just a moment. But again, don't forget, subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcast from here Monday through Friday, breaking down everything you want to know about the association. Leave a five-star review with a quick comment and tell a friend. It takes like 30 seconds. Get them tuned in to the great stuff we've got here over at the Locked On Podcast Network. So subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcast from. All right, so it's been an interesting NBA season, maybe a little bit more wide open than we would have thought going into the year, which means we've got some surprises here. And Nick, you just did this on Locked On Mavs where you talked about some surprise teams. So what's the one that jumps out to you the most so far this year? Oh, the one that jumps out the most, um, maybe besides the Mavericks. Uh, we were surprised about the Mavericks for sure. I mean, they are uh, they're sixth in the West right now, but they are uh, 11 games over 500. And I don't think a lot of people expected that, but I think even more so than the Mavs, the Memphis Grizzlies, they're 23 and 24 right now. They are two and a half games ahead of San Antonio for the eighth seed in the West. They are a playoff team, and I did not expect them to be a playoff team. I expected them to be where the Warriors are, the Hawks are, to be down there in the bottom, to have a rookie point guard like John Morant. 
And I just all summer we we talked all summer about this team and said that you know they have a rookie point guard and dismissed them because rookie point guards take a long time to develop and it's going to take a while. They're such a young team. Jaron Jackson's young. Brandon Clark is young. Like all these guys. And here they are, 23 and 24, almost at 500, and in the eighth spot, going to play you know the Lakers in the West uh, in the first round of the playoffs if the season ended today. And that's wild to me. That stands out the most. Yeah, Jaws' game is really translated very well and very quickly to the NBA, averaging 17.6 points per game and seven assists. That's excellent. Jaron Jackson Jr. kind of faded down the stretch of last year, and he is certainly kind of lived up to the hype that he had got and they've nailed the past couple of drafts which is exactly what they needed to do to kind of breathe some new life into that organization look I'll take it to the east here what about what Toronto's doing with the second best record in the eastern conference at 32 and 14 after losing Kawhi Leonard the guy who basically like willed them at times to a title but they, you kind of forget they still have a lot of talent on that team. And Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet should just always keep having new children because it just makes him play wonderfully. And then uh, Siakam's even grown and taking another leap compared to last year. Yeah, and taking a look at their whole season, like their season as a whole, they've had so many guys out due to injury. Siakam has missed time. Marcus Gasol, we mentioned, has missed time and is going to miss time again. Kyle Lowry has missed time. They have this bench with like Chris Boucher and like Matt Thomas and Rondé Hollis Jefferson that has flamed out in a couple places. Just like this, uh, who's their, their rookie Terrence Mann uh, or Terrence Davis. I mean, Ter- Terrence Davis. I can't even remember his name. And I cover basketball. Like they have this end of the bench that is just, uh, man, they, they've come out they're They have so much energy and they give them leads sometimes. And I, watching this team, the Raptors team come back from down 30 against the Mavericks. Like you just can't deny this team. They're super well coached. They try different things and they have overcome all these injuries. And it's just been pretty amazing. So yeah, second in the East. And I don't think anyone expected that, especially given how many injuries and the, the rotation they have right now. No, like Nick Nurse is a very good coach. They're kind of like buzzsaw of a bench unit and different lineups that they could throw out you last year were kind of their hallmark. And they've carried that over this year, too, with like kind of interchangeable parts. And usually when you carry that over from season to season, it's got to say something about the coaching job that they've done. Are you surprised at all about how bad Golden State's been? No, not at all. <laughs> because of the because, because of, of injuries, the injuries, right? right? Like, yeah. you, have, you have to look at it in context. Uh, because Steph has only played, what, like four games? Yeah. Uh, and maybe he might come back in March. Clay hasn't played. Draymond is... You know, if if you had to pick any of those three to be healthy for them for their season to go well, like, I think Draymond might be the last one. Right? Yeah, right. Uh, kind of seen. So like he had he's had an okay year, I think, given everything and some of the dudes they've put out there on the court. Like you could probably make up names, and like I would tell you that guy has played like in twenty games for him. You're like, yeah, sure, I don't know because their roster is so thin at times, but. Yeah, it kind of shows that maybe he's not the guy you want to build a team around, I think. So I think from that perspective, like if they had Curry and they were this bad, that might be a surprise. But at 10 and 37 with all of the injuries, I don't think anything is a huge shock there. What about Indiana at 30 and 17 without Victor Oladipo so far this year? Yeah, he's coming back. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, he's coming back today, which is uh, a huge thing for them. That's been surprising. Malcolm Brogdon leading this team. Demonis Sabonis is probably going to be a signing, by the way. 
Man, uh, the Bucks, if they if they weren't as good right now, they might be missing him. But. Yeah, I was gonna say like they have the best record in the league at forty and six, and they're just straight up running over teams. But they let him go almost because they were kind of being cheap. And at the time, I hated the move. I still kind of hate it because he's been really good for Indiana this year. Yeah, uh, that that team's been pretty surprising. They're sixth in the East right now. That's kind of where I expected them to be. I think maybe just surprising overall is the East. The top six in the East, they're all they all have thirty wins so far. They're all like thirty and seventeen and above. The strength of the top of the East has been pretty amazing. Uh, it it rivals what the West is doing right now. Yeah, the bottom of the West, that kind of like pillow fight almost at times for the eighth spot, I think, is kind of surprising that you might get a team that's under 500. I don't think that's how it'll end up being, but you're, you're kind of looking at it right now, if it were to end today, that you'd have a team under 500, which hasn't happened for a significantly long time. That's a little bit surprising, kind of the middle of like the middle of the bottom of the Western Conference. Part of it is they're just all beating up on each other, so no one's able to really gain ground. But thought it was going to be better than that. Yeah, that for sure. Uh, teams in the other direction, though, I think Sacramento has been a surprise to a lot of people. They were what did they win thirty nine games last year? They're an up and coming team with all this young talent. They changed their coach, and all of a sudden now they're seventeen and twenty nine. Uh, that's that's pretty bad. Oh, like they've at least they had that comeback the other day, which was very cool. But things look to be a little bit of a mess there. And you could almost say the same thing for Minnesota, though. I didn't have high hopes for Minnesota going into this year. And I think the biggest surprising part about them is just there's nowhere to go with that roster right now and some of the money they've committed to those guys, too. Yeah, that is an, an interesting situation. Uh, I kind of hope for their sake that it's a Luke Walton one and done year. Oh, for the for the Kings? Yes. Yeah, I it, it it has not been good. Like the coaching and everything and just roster construction for how Luke Walton wants to play. Like none of this matches. No. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, um, any other teams that have jumped out to you as a surprise? Um, early, like the, the Hornets and the Wizards were surprising me. Now they're just back to where they, where we expected. Maybe the Brooklyn Nets. I know Kyrie has been out, but for them to be this bad, uh, they're 19 and 26 right now. Uh, I expect them to be at least like a 500 team. They, they had a bunch of talent and maybe it's just the Kyrie injury, but then even when he's there, he's been calling out teammates and that shouldn't have surprised me, I guess, as much as it does, but no. And you've like, it seemed like they might have a couple chemistry issues to start the year. They've also dealt with some other injuries too, uh, like to Karis Levert. So I think that kind of hurts them a little bit as well, but yeah, you know, it feels like there's enough talent there for them to be better. Um, and it's in like the teams that kind of jumped out and played well to start the year. Like you mentioned the wizards or even like the Phoenix suns, they've kind of reverted to where yeah. they should be. So or not the, tons of surprises R- there. RIP the seven and five Minnesota Timberwolves, <laughs> man. I, I just I, look, having been in new Orleans and gone through all the stuff with Anthony Davis and like looking at them and where they are, I can draw so many parallels. Not that that's how it's going to play out, but I'm sorry, Timberwolves fans. Yeah, that is just that's rough. I mean, I think I saw a stat that Carl Towns hasn't won a game since since Thanksgiving. Oh, well, he's missed a bunch. so I have not seen that. That's <laughs> all right. Well, there you go. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't that I guess is surprising for the segment here. But whew, OK, that one's not too great. So we're just going to leave it there. We're just going to keep Minnesota Timberwolves <laughs> fans sad at the end of sorry, this guys. segment. Yeah, like, sorry, everybody. Um, we like to make fun of one team here. It can be the Timberwolves today. Listen so. to the Lockdown Wolves for a more positive outlook on maybe this team. Is, are you sure that's what it's going to be on there? Uh, I, I hope so.
Yeah, I'm going to have to tune in now. So everyone should just tune into their local Locked On Podcast Network podcast to cover that covers any of the teams that they want to hear. And it's a lot of fun around the association right now. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On NBA. Thank you all for listening on Wednesdays. I'm Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. I'm Nick Engstead at Nick Van Exit on Twitter, as well as the host of the Locked On Mavericks podcast. And everyone should be following at Locked On NBA Net on Twitter, as well as Instagram. I'm taking over those accounts now, so go follow them to cover the entire association, all of our Locked On shows. I will be pushing stuff from all the big news so you can stay up to date with every single thing that happens in the NBA. News happens fast. No better way to get the NBA stuff than on social media. And Nick is doing a great job over there. Thank you all for listening. David Locke here with you all tomorrow. And we'll be back next week.